Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to the Raw Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hanflow and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of Men in Hell. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review Raw, but also SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2. Oh, oh. AW Dynamite, AW Collision, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete. A little bit of a quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to review last night's Raw, a very Judgment Day-heavy episode. Yeah, I like the story they're telling with them. Um, I think I'm starting to like it more than the story that most people are loving. And yeah, yeah, yeah with the bloodline, because that's tr- it's just favorite thing. I was splitting up groups, because you've <laughs> seen the numbers out of it. Uh they are, this role was fine, but they've got a hot hand with a judgment day and it's WWE, so they're going to overplay that week after week after week, but I don't think they did on this one. Mm. It just What we got out of them is, I just, I just, I think like this was like, it wasn't the most electrifying episode of Monday Night Raw or anything, but it's just, again, I keep saying this, it's just nice to see enough characters that I enjoy the three hours doesn't feel like six. Yeah, when we used like, to watch wheel spinning episodes under the Vince full-time regime, by God, could you just tell they were treading water? Yeah. It's like there's... Like, I sense... And I have done since Triple H has taken over. Like, regardless of how dry, certainly, like, my esteemed colleague here, I think his booking is, like, I've always, like, praised the plotting, and I think it just... It does help to know that they're going places, and the fact that... And this is still funny to me, that they have to go places because it's the only way to stop Vince being Vince... It's what like it a, called is it Vince proofing yesterday. Vince proofing. It's an odd motivational tool, but I'll take it because it does mean it's like, well, we've sorry, we've made the graphic and we've shot the angle now. Like that story the other week, remember, like before we heard about this Vince thing, where it was like, yeah, when they've got uh, people in town, they're actually filming like vignettes and bits weeks in advance. And you think, oh, aren't WWE really organised? No, they're trying to stop the boss <laughs> from doing the job he wants to do. Yes, and they should have been doing this for years. Yeah. Like saving flying talent in a stand backstage in a red lit corridor when you needed them for one thing over three hours, just film it while they're here. My thing about WWE, and I've said this countless times, and I will say it again, is that I'm really impressed by this promotion. I look at their endless resources with which to make stars, and they just don't maximize them enough. They could realistically have the most spectacular, bombastic, dramatic, energetic wrestling TV show ever if they just broke their own patterns, got out of their own way, and used those vast sums of money to do something 
really cool or really intricate or whatever. Like, they could have this incredible extended universe. They could make the brand split a thing. They could make multiverse stuff, an event. They could get into war. They could do anything with the money, is what I'm trying to say. And they make WWE television. And I don't even like it very much as a, as a, as a thing. I'm just never impressed by it. Sometimes I'm entertained. A lot of the time, I'm just bored. I'm never like, oh, that was so impressive. They did something on this show that I was genuinely quite impressed by, and we'll Ooh. get into that later. So let's dive into this week's episode of Raw. Um, like I say, heavy on the judgment day, and it opened with Finn Balor storming out, pissed off because of what happened at Money in the Bank, and said also his issues are, aren't finished with Seth Rollins because of Damian Priest. Uh, and here comes two other members, Rhea Ripley and uh, Dominic Mysterio, and of course, collectively, they're in the f***ing judgment day. Sit down with you. And Ripley says, look, why are you doing this out here, Finn? We could talk about this in the back. And I think all of us collectively thought, you could have done it for the last week. <laughs> um, Bala says, oh, I haven't got an issue with you. It was Priest who cost me. He tried to hijack my moment. And Ripley, like, shoves the mic down from Finn and says, calm down, Finn. It's a commercial. Um, <laughs> let's talk about it in the back. <laughs> a nice Michael Winner reference there from 20 years ago. Uh, oh. is, Balor, he, is he sure still leaving the company anymore? Oh, I have no idea. Yeah. Free promotion. I don't think Michael Winner is. No. Um, so <laughs> Balor storms to the back. Michael Loser, if anything. <laughs> Ripley says, Judgment Day still run raw. Anyone, see if anyone at the back can believe prove us wrong. Uh, and she says, Dirty Dom. He's got it on the thing now, hasn't he? He's got it on the graphic. Dirty. <laughs> Seth freaking Rollins. <laughs> Dirty Dom Mysterio. <laughs> Uh, Dom's going to put Rollins down tonight, and uh, Dom gets the mic and gets booed out of the bloody arena. Slightly sweetened. Um, out comes Rollins to interrupt when Dom can't say anything, and Dom screams, cut off his music, I'm not going to be disrespected. And Rollins is just loving this. He's cackling away, he's eating chicken wings, and he says, <sighs> shut up, we're here in Buffalo to eat buffalo wings and watch the Judgment Day implode. Uh, Dom says, I'm going to beat your ass tonight. And Rollins <laughs> cackles and says, i got some bad news for both of you. Uh, I'm going to be the only one tonight whipping Lil Dom Dom's ass. And he danced off with his wings. This was a silly introduction to what I continue to think is a pretty great bit of business going on here. Seth and Finn Balor wasn't very interesting at Money in the Bank on a night where almost everything else was. Kick out at one doing nothing, you hack bastard. Boring stuff. That was absolute a catnip and we did, for a hater like me. We did say on the preview that like you're kind of asking a lot of people to just take the seven years thing as, as red mm -hmm. when we've seen that they've tagged and they've fought and whatever. Um, but Finn Balor now in a little bit of a power struggle with Damien Priest mm -hmm. and having his ego and his experience challenged by Damien Priest who has an advantage in his hand all the time and a little... Like bubbling under, like the distrust bubbling under between them is way more interesting. And Rhea was wearing a Senor Money in the Bank yeah. t shirt as well. And like Rhea put herself across as the leader of the stable a lot on this episode. And when she does, I think that's the most like impressive element of this whole group because she doesn't need to say that out loud everywhere. It's, it's kind of the opposite of the tribal chief thing, isn't it? It's like, oh, yeah, Rhea's the boss. She's the champion that kind of like does a talk in the way yeah. she like defends that belt and she's just the toughest and the scariest and all that. But I think this, they found a way. I wouldn't say they've reheated the idea of a second Finn Balor-Seth Rollins match, 
But Seth Rollins, thinking he's got the measure of this situation with his silly bollocks and his chicken, because they're just a bloody fighting each other, while they equally believe that, no, we've got the measure of him, because two of us, I think is quite impressive. I can't quite see where this is going, and Seth's fake-feeling pointless title feels under threat, and if I'm sitting here thinking that belt might be under threat, then it sort of made me care about the fake belt. I, I really quite like this. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, good stuff. Some buffalo. Do some buffalo wings. Sit, Vince. Sit. Good dog. <laughs> this is very much. I, I can never work it out. Where does the line that begins with Vince and Triple H end? Like, is he just as much of a hack with stupid comedy as his father-in-law, mm. or is this Vince's thing of right, Vince? <sighs> this is a Zoom call again. What do you want to do with the show? What little insignificant detail do you want to add to the show, Vince, to make you feel like you've got a little bit of power <laughs> so we can just give you that? Like, we can throw a tennis ball at you. We're in Buffalo. Oh, well done, Vince. You've remembered where we are. We should eat buffalo wings. That's great. <laughs> okay, Seth, we eat some buffalo wings. Bye, Vince. Bye, <laughs> bye Vince. Um, I just... He doesn't look like a world champion to me. I'm very funny with the Seth Rollins character. Is it any good? Am I impressed with him for gaming the system? What does that say about the system that he's gamed? If you can literally game the system by having a song that the seals can go, and he can go, I'm in Buffalo, so I'm eating the wings. I'm the joke. Does a joker do this? No, it's crap. It's absolutely bobbins, and his this world championship. It doesn't matter how much the other characters want it or are willing to completely destroy the thing they hold dear to get it. If you've got a world champion who's, I, it just it, none none of it works for me. Is he the work rate guy? Well, he's not that good as a wrestler as he thinks he is. If he's basically doing leisure center Kenny Omega <laughs> at the biggest, <laughs> one of the biggest pay-per-views of the year. If he's trying, he's, oh, that looked good on that other promotion. Let's do that. I find that cringeworthy. Honestly, as a hater, there's an Omega mark. I find that quite funny. It was quite delightful to me. And then he gets beat up before his singles matches, so he's not even the workhorse champion, even though he's obviously not as good as the people he kind of patterns himself after. And then is he this really funny, entertaining, charismatic guy? No, he's eating chicken wings. I just think they need to rethink, because the launch of this already like tertiary title, I think they've got it completely wrong. I don't know how they get it right. Maybe it's one of those things where over the weeks and months, you know, you'll do enough PLE matches, it'll be the centerpiece of, a, of enough roles that they'll eventually will it into existence as this thing that you should care about. At the minute, I don't. I haven't cared about it from day one. It's always scanned as this weird consolation prize, which uh, Triple H did not help by basically openly acknowledging that it's a consolation <laughs> mm. prize. And I don't take this title seriously, like like literally, like remotely. You need to work hard with this one instead of that smart guy, Roman Reigns, who doesn't. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, the Seth thing makes it trickier to argue. The triple threat that I'm assuming is going to take place at SummerSlam Feels like that's where they're headed with this. Yeah, I was going to ask what, ask what you think the, the, the PLE match is. I, I think that's a great match if they can find drama in a title change. 
Because the one thing I don't want is for them to lean so hard on this split. And this is why I was quite impressed with this episode, because they didn't. They actually tried to like pull it back a little bit. I think we're getting the triple threat at SummerSlam. I don't want to go into that just thinking, well, yeah, this is set to win because these two kind of get along on the night. Like, And I thought, I'm glad they haven't just WWE'd it and had them just hate each other instantly. I watched them. Um, I haven't had the chance to catch SmackDown this week, but I watched a... Oh. I'll give you a quick summary. Oh, my God. Have you got another summary as well? Yeah, sorry. If if you missed uh, the opening half hour, uh, you're probably one of the only people... 40 minutes, really? Yeah. You're probably one of the only people in the world who did miss it, considering those numbers. But uh, I'll summarise that as well. Can you imagine, like, showing, you know... And they... I was going to say, like, the, the can, like, panel mm. or the, the Academy. They've got rubbish taste in films as well. Can you imagine mm. someone who, like, is just an appreciator of, like, really good films? Saying, um, do you think this Jay Uso fella, <laughs> what role do you see him in? What kind of, like, genre? Like, what kind of director do you think could best utilize his talents? And here's his performance in Chapter 18 of the Bloodline Saga. Press play. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, what? So from that abbreviated version, I got to watch, and I got all the details out of it, and it was four and a half Didn't minutes. get the tension, sadly. I obviously didn't quite capture That uh, genuinely was a far better summation of, of, yeah. And there was the bit where uh, Solo, was it the belt or the lay? Solo picked up the lay, I the think lay. it was, wasn't it? And he, he stared at it. Oh, my God. And again, I only saw a shortened version of it. I probably should have watched that. That symbolizes that he wishes to one day become the tribal chief. That's what I got from it as well. And uh, <laughs> remind me, I'll tell him about the edge thing in a minute. This might be the. We might have had edge discussion of it. Oh, I, I buried him in the office to Hamlet earlier. Um, Did you talk about the commentary I was telling you about that? We, I'm not sure if you mentioned it on the SmackDown review yesterday. But obviously, he fought Grace and Water. Hard workers and, and big dreamers. <laughs> He's sick or swim, right? But commentary at one point when, oh, Grayson Waller's injured the ribs. That'll set him up well for Edge's finisher, the spear. <laughs> <laughs> what was I even going to say about the bloodline thing? Oh, yeah. Damien Priest, I, like, I don't want them to do the thing where two weeks out from SummerSlam, or we might be there already, on the go-home, whenever, Damien Priest like picks, like, they attack them, uh, uh, Seth Rollins. It's like, yeah, w- the Judgment Day, it's going to be a two-on-one effect at SummerSlam, and then Damien Priest picks the belt up and takes a long stare at it. Didn't stare at that, it's my belt. I actually try and keep them together, make them feel more like a threat to Seth because the triple threat should be a threat enough, let alone when Priest's got a briefcase. Don't don't bloodline this one. Yeah. <laughs> um Eastshore is still a company. Okay. And Michael Winner liked gardening at midnight, according to his Wikipedia. What section of the Wikipedia? Interests and hobbies. Okay. Gardening at midnight. Is that yep. a My garden is floodlit, floodlit, so I often garden after midnight. I can imagine that. It's very peaceful, I suppose. Yeah. I remember very, s- very peaceful. Looks like, 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 like the tank with the night front cover. Huh? I remember seeing someone staying at someone's a friend's house once, and I watched their neighbour <laughs> cut their lawn with a head whilst wearing a head torch. Which I thought was like funny, but also might piss some people off. Like if I had small children and someone's like at one AM in the morning, I might be like, "Don't do it, please, mate." There were oh, remember lockdown. <laughs> More on that later. Like the people who just decided 
there are a lot of people uh, working at home um, <laughs> in, their, in their home office and they are obviously struggling because this is horrendous. What I'll do is I will renovate my entire f***ing house. My entire f***ing house. I will just do loads of DIY. All right, great, great. I can hear kids' tantrums, uh, my own mind getting lost. I can actually hear it. And also when I'm trying to do work on this dressing table that I've morphed into a desk and my back hurts constantly to the point where if I'm not recording a podcast, I'm writing list entries in bed on my phone because I cannot work at a desk and I can hear lots of drilling as well. Was, oh, God. I thought it was like going to tear as many quads as the McMahon family in the early days of lockdown because I had to like sit. I didn't, we didn't have a desk like at the time and I had to like reshape one of the boys' bedrooms to make it work in the end. Just three plastic storage boxes. I remember with this a laptop set up. on top, and I just, that was all I had initially. And then yeah. just like they were, you know, figuring stuff out the first couple of weeks. Just like I would get up every, I just like walking, like Vince McMahon trying to walk to the back at the Royal Rumble 2005. Elton John coming out of Glastonbury. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, remember a what culture awesome. staff member. I, I, I won't name them. Uh, constantly complaining that they couldn't film or record anything because their neighbours decided lockdown's the perfect time to have massively loud conversations just at the, the this person's back door, effectively. Insane. They sound like a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, more Judgment Day stuff in the back. Um, Damien Priest, I knew it would go that way. Uh, Ripley says, grow up, be a man, squash things. I've already tried, says Priest. Bala's not listening. She says, try again for me. Says okay, she says good. More on that later. Anyway, it's time for uh, Drew McIntyre. First match since Mania. This just kicked ass. Mm-hmm. And Matt Riddle versus Ludwig Kaiser and Giovanni Vinci of Imperium. Yeah, uh, this was really enjoyable, as we sort of predicted, because Imperium are awesome to work with. Um, so uh, Riddle and Kaiser, I think, started us off. Um, Riddle eventually gets away from him with a gut wrench suplex and brings in McIntyre, who uh, just kicks ass. And um, then Riddle comes back in and gets sent out to the floor via a dropkick. takes a break. When we come back, Riddle gets out of an Imperial bomb uh, and gets over to McIntyre for the hot tag. Overhead suplexes, neck breakers for everybody. Well, nice partner. Um, Yeah. Oh, my God. And uh, he just stares at Gunther, power bombs Vinci, sets up the Claymore. Kaiser gets in his way. Gunther tries to attack, but Riddle hits him with a flying knee. And then McIntyre manages to hit the Claymore. Whilst Riddle holds Kaiser in an ankle lock, McIntyre gets the one, two, three. Post-match, Gunther berates Vinci on the ramp and storms off with Kaiser whilst Vinci stands there looking a bit sad. There was tons to love about the in-ring, as you would expect from these four. Drew... It's just in the mood, and it's great to see. Like, I, I'm not the biggest Drew McIntyre fan, but sometimes he just, I don't know, he like finds a different level, maybe. And I just, there's something I find absolutely captivating about him and the fact that he's nails anyway, that when he just like applies that like extra energy to the fact that he's beating the dog out of you, it's just fantastic. But here's me gonna be praising the plotting more than the sort of excitement of this particular story. We have tried to forecast a Drew McIntyre heel turn since back when Bray Wyatt returned. It was like, well, there's somebody for. Like Uncle Howdy to beat. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that now. But like the Harry and Pross, we wanted him. Harry to. and Pross could have. Been, yes, I remember that one because he was. We're like calling s- that because he's finished. By the way, I remember him staring down Roman Reigns. Remember that? I remember when he stared at Roman Reigns. For what purpose was that? Like you? Well, we know why, but it was never going to materialize. Uh, so yeah, all these times it's like Jimmy McIntyre lose to him, and that gets that person over. I believe Gunther will be that person. Yes, he will lose to that person, and that will trigger the heel turn. So you set up a newfound friendship with someone like Matt Riddle. 
who Drew can absolutely decimate to cement his heel turn and have another kick-ass match with after SummerSlam. Love that. Really, really love that because they're showing you evidence of how fun they can be working together. Are oh, you all right, you? You know, like uh, partying afterwards, didn't they? Yeah, all that sort of without crack. Byron Saxon, even better. And they're, <laughs> and they're showing you that the in ring is obviously of that high standard, so they're allowing you to get excited about the prospect of the matches together and building this bond that, like, you know, by Drew's turn in six weeks, isn't just going to feel like out of nowhere. Yes, like, angry man Drew walks out and beats up the nearest baby face. No, you're going to beat up a guy that's just befriended him and wanted to help him upon his comeback. It's I, I think it's really good stuff, and it's not just. Like Triple H sent out four wrestlers like this to guarantee him 15 good in-ring television minutes. I think there's more to it. Do you think uh, Matt Riddle's favourite Scottish place is? Glasbrow. Right, shut your mouth. This... Oh, I miss it. Drew McIntyre, like, made Daddy Sidgwick's nipples harden this match. <laughs> <laughs> My God. Like, as every time he did something awesome, and what a hot tag that was. Mm. And, like, I love Imperium. I love an act that's got a great balance. How you can just bump like mad men and then just look so great on offense and it's like seamless as well. Mm. Like the show ass and look dominant at the same time. Yeah. I just love that. Drew McIntyre. I just, everything he did in this match, like good snap. <laughs> good snap to the point where I was like, Triple H, you, did you even snap like this in 2000, <laughs> mate? Because this is absolutely unbelievable in ring work where you just look, as Hamlet said, like in the mood, mm. just like an absolute ass kick. Yeah. There's a one wrestler you actually want to go to that place. Yeah, no, I want to go to that place. Because it's to where he normally is. <laughs> I just, uh, Drew, the best version of Drew McIntyre absolutely kicks ass and he was just in an ass kicking mood here. Like, can he not have that belt and try and make it an all-workhorse title? Because, oh my God, this guy, when he's in the mood, he's mm. he's world class when he's in the mood. And I think because he's not always world class, when you see him with this snap, this intensity, just this absolute, I will not be denied, I'm going to kick ass in a very physical and incredibly intense and entertaining way. I just love to watch him when he's in like this place, when he goes to that place. That place. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> that bitch goes to that place. <laughs> I can always get my Scottish accent when I substitute an E for an I. Yeah. I bet... Uh, Brick, going to that place. There was Still not great. Saw some uh, stewards taking some booze off some young'uns at the weekend. And, uh, ben, no! <laughs> you carrying booze on you just now? <laughs> they love saying just now. Yeah. Pure booze. Uh, I drew... If I bet, the ben? If he yeah. was ben, no. If he was offered that belt in a stadium. I'll take it. Like, he's, there's still law there, isn't Yeah, it? yeah. I never got my win in the stadium. I drew, like, pandemic was three years ago, mate. Like, we're talking about a podcast, even we're laughing about it now. Cheer up. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take what I'm owed. Uh, and I said, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be the one that saves me. And after all, <laughs> it's my one there the wall. Good times never felt so good. I love the fact that he just only admitted <laughs> like everyone, everyone else. I don't know the rest of this bloody song. No. Let's just cut to the chorus, shall we? Cut to the chorus. Caroline. Do, do, do. Nothing was good about that time. <laughs> uh, back <sighs> for more Judgment Day. You could be. Had haggis for the first time at the weekend. It's we incredible. It's so good. So good. We talked about this a few weeks ago and it like... Sat with me, I was like, right, this is the weekend. We're going to go to breakfast somewhere. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get a sausage sandwich. And then I forget, I'm in Scotland. I just saw Haggis Roll. So, obviously, all good food is even better between bread. Mm -hmm. Haggis Roll kicked ass. Had it again the day later. P 
people think because it's what awful that it's not that bad, is it? I don't know what it is. It's got this <laughs> traffic and travel coming uh, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Say it again, Sid. <laughs> it's awful, isn't it? It's not that bad, is it? <laughs> and it's got anyway, this, Ed <laughs> It's got this reputation as this like really disgusting bit of whatever that you just shouldn't be eating. And oh, it's a delicacy, which is a euphemism for <laughs> a lot of people will find this disgusting. Yeah. And I was always put off by that Same. as a result. Then I said to myself, Sidgwick, you're a doner kebab connoisseur. You don't <laughs> care where your food comes from. Good point. I will eat it now. And it's just this incredibly beautiful peppery mince. Yeah. Let's try this. Good. Haggis is awesome. Absolutely good. Haggis, leaves and tatties. Yeah. Not done any of that. Haggis, leaves and tatties is a great time. I don't think I could have got through that as a breakfast. But not for breakfast, dickhead. Have it for tea. It's like having a fucking stew for your breakfast. Why does it have to be breakfast? It doesn't. I was just saying that was how I experienced right, it okay, at a okay. breakfast place. I, I, love, say like, I love both pork and beyond hamlet. Yeah, I wouldn't have it for breakfast yeah. though. <laughs> what? I do like cereal for tea though, so let's see if we can make this work. Okay, okay. Oh, topsy turvy day, as uh, my nephew calls it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's great that. I never like the phrase brinner. When people talk about breakfast for dinner. I think, it, I think it was some scrubs or Is something that like a that. Thing? Yeah. Weirdos. I, I mean, I like I like the concept of it. <laughs> yes. I just don't like that. Brilliant. It's a weird phenomenon. With have you ever had an all day breakfast for your tea? We had it once where we had an out in. We just thought, you know what? We've got breakfast yeah. stuff: bacon, sausage, eggs, all that at like five o'clock. Deep fried hash browns as well. Yes, oh, yeah. are goated. Um, I could have ate I, for whatever reason. I've had an all day breakfast at like half seven or eight. I feel like I could smash another plate. Mm. Yeah. It's all wrong in my head. Oh, yeah. If they put a Premier in buffet on at like six, <laughs> never leave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this, this is me till 10. <laughs> right, Alan Bardra's big plate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what time are you kicking out? Uh, where are we? Oh, yeah. Backstage again with the Judgment Day. Rhea's trying to negotiate things with Priest and, and Finn. Damien, you talk first. He says, look, money in the bank. I wanted you to win, Finn. I would never have cashed in on you. That was never my intentions. Let's go back to where we were, where we ran this place. Or, but before we can get any further with that, Finn says, all right, one condition. I get Seth first. We cool? Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> That's cool. Damien Priest says, it's not cool. I know you can beat Seth and be the champion. But either way, it's covered. And he holds up the briefcase and Finn's like, I thought we were sorted. Why have you ended it like that? And walk, they all walk off. Uh, the, the tellers too, it's the briefcase. I have yeah. to remind these uh, seals and these goldfish <laughs> that I have it. Why is it not purple? <laughs> not purple yet. What, uh, why isn't it purple? Yeah. Make it purple. How fast was like RVD's RVD colours? That must have been pretty. Oh, like the spray job pretty much the next night, yeah. Yeah. And the punter as well. They used to have the Chicago stars and bars on it. I like Sandow's. Yeah. Yes. They're like the... Of many important. I was going to say Halliburton, but that's the metal one that like the horseman would use, isn't it? Yeah. And it was like his work briefcase sort of thing. Yeah, very he doing, nice. He was doing a business. He was, yeah. If yeah, Keanu yeah. James ever wins money. Oh, he's doing an, he was doing an academia. Oh, uh, sorry, yes. <laughs> like Chase U. Correct. Yes. <sighs> More on that later. Yes. NXT preview coming your way. Until he uh, got out of there and ripped up the script. <laughs> um, four minutes sort of summary of... Uh, Oscar-worthy stuff from SmackDown, from Bloodline. Uh, and then we cut to Jackie Redman with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. She says, what's next? Uh, and they basically say, I don't know. Um, <laughs> whoever. Street Profits, Alpha Academy, LWO, Viking Raiders talks through all their potential opponents. In come uh, Rhea and Dom. Uh, and Ripley's like, I didn't appreciate that you left out the judgment day there. And Owens just, again, is pissed off for disobeying the unwritten rules. 
Um, she says, any combination of Judgment Day could take your titles. We're going to take all the bloody titles. Uh, and she says, Dom can't be stopped. He's been working, he was working on his cardio in prison and he never gets tired. Right. And Sami Zayn, a bit like me, um, well, they, we're all a bit confused here. Sami's like, mm -hmm. cardio, he never gets tired. And KO's like, well, yeah, no, he, he probably just like ran around the yard a bit and now he's fine. And Sammy thought he meant something else. He whispered something in KO's ear. And I was wondering, Sid, if you could sort of clarify what other. I, I'm struggling here, mate. I've been reliably informed that it doesn't matter. But some women apparently think that, like, stamina and endurance during sexual intercourse is incredibly important in the ability to either um, just withstand the pleasure and just don't, you know. <laughs> Don't erupt. Yeah, got it. Or don't or, don't go full. Yeah. Or maybe you do it, and then the penile refractory period. So you, your penis has got stamina, and you can just go and go and go. But I think maybe it's just the ability to just keep going. Got it. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. And then this infect. Just builds and builds and builds and builds and builds the rhythm and the pleasure experienced by uh, Rhea Ripley. And Dominic Mysterio, therefore, presumably can maintain his... Oh. Correct. Young man. What's better than sex? An early night. Combine the two. That's what I always say to Anne Louise. Um, right. <laughs> <time for it>. In the chair and in the hall of wet. Where do you think we are? In the chair and then Seth and Dom. It didn't happen. Uh, they attack Rollins, beat him up. Owens and Zane made the save. It settled the main event. <laughs> Still gone from it. Don't you know? <laughs> you know. Please don't. <laughs> Please. Uh oh. <laughs> oh, speaking of balance, Logan Paul's walking through the back. <laughs> Got a face off of Ricochet. Meanwhile, Gunther's just bollocking Giovanni Vinci in the background as well. Uh, and then we get the face off between these two. Uh, Ricochet comes down and he says, look, every time I step in the ring, I do this all for each and every one of you. So you can go home and say, Ricochet was the highlight of my night. But tonight's about Logan Paul. He gets loads of booze, of course. He didn't appreciate Logan Paul going on his podcast to call him unprofessional. Um, when Paul himself admitted that he didn't know what he was doing. Uh, Ricochet says, I don't do things on social media. I mean, he does. He does all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, right. but yeah, I know what you mean. Um, and he says, "Let's your, get your ass out of here. Let's deal with things face to face." Here comes Logan Paul, and he's like, "Why are you acting tough? You're a little boy. Um, let's get on with this, so I don't have to be in this crap town much longer." New York, more like Boo York. Um, he didn't say that. I just yeah. <laughs> Thanks to listen to the raw preview yesterday. Mark Lee Willis gave us a whole list of alternative names for. Oh, uh, places they could be in. We'll, I think we'll bring that back for each mm -hmm. week because of uh, what was the one last week? Baltimore. More like Baltimore. Less. 
Um, pause. A it, bad joke they've done before. Yes. Like. Um, Paul said uh, Ricochet is spectacular, though, and every time they're in the ring together, it was fireworks. But I stand what I said on my podcast, says Logan. Um, everyone cared more about me losing than them winning in the Money in the Bank ladder match. And Ricochet, you cost us both. Uh, Ricochet said, yep, none of the fans wanted you near the Money in the Bank briefcase. Uh, he talks about being in... This business? Thank you. <laughs> for 20 years. Uh, and the crowd are chanting, Logan sucks. And Paul sort of laughed because he was like, yeah, no one's listening to you. They're just chatting about how much I, I'm crap, basically. Um, and Ricochet's like, hey, don't run your mouth again. And Paul says, I'm not intimidated by a guy that's wearing a shirt too small for him and his 90% forehead. Um, <laughs> that was good, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> but the only reason you want to fight me, Ricochet, is so you could go viral. I don't care about going viral. I'm a WWE superstar. I knock people out. All you do is flip around and get video clips, basically. And he effectively declines a match. So Ricochet, as we called on the preview As you called it, I said nothing. Did his spot from NXT, oh, yeah. flipping out to the ring, landing on his feet, defying gravity. Uh, Paul went, very nice. Still not going to bite you. Uh, and then tried to sucker punch him, but Ricochet countered that with a slice bread off the apron. I really enjoyed this. I think this segment was amazing. It is like, I don't know, negligence, systemic failure of a company that lost its monopoly that we need to say things like, Logan Paul has really elevated Ricochet. Yeah. But here we are. So, yes. You know, um, and, and he has instantly. But you need to be as good as Ricochet. And he's not like the best promo in the world or anything, but you need to be as good as him in the ring and not just back it up with a little dive spot. And the, like, the slice bread idea off the apron was cool as well because that was like, there's no flashier way to beat a guy up in a quick brawl on the ramp than doing something like that. But he needs all the legacy stuff as well. You need to know that for years and years and years he has put in the groundwork that you just know and believe that everything he's saying about his in ring is true. And that Logan Paul, even though we've seen Logan Paul fly and now twice. They've, or three times, they've like put these two together in order to show you that, look, is he on the same level as him? And he's not, but he's got the, he's got the flashiness in him and he's yeah. got that sense of thinking he can. Um, you can believe what Ricochet is saying, even if his messaging doesn't have all that much conviction because he's not a fantastic talker. This is a, I think, really inspired bit of matchmaking. Really inspired. I cannot wait for the match. It's in a stadium. It could be the making of Ricochet. Mm. It shouldn't be this way. But that they've arrived at it, I think, is a genuine credit. I'm so, so impressed with this. I am impressed, Sorry, and that's yeah. exactly what I was talking about in the intro to this podcast. I don't know how many times I've said, WWE's system is fundamentally broken if they can't make Ricochet a star. Yes. I, uh, they've given him some of the worst scripted material. Remember when he was, like, um, stealing Seamus's hat and dancing with it? <laughs> like a complete... <laughs> remember that remember that yeah it was i've never wanted to watch a spectacular wrestler less i'm glad there's how, no like clothing theft on this episode like, yeah I know, I, know, I know i know i know how have they done this like how do you do it it's <laughs> impossible and yet that's well they say they want to do the impossible in wwe and probably not in the way that they intended but they did it with their uh, sheamus and ricochet and i've also said that i'm sick of these crowds who don't like wrestling absolutely sick of this was a another exception this buffalo crowd especially for three were mm. very very hot and i was into it as a result with one bird one stone mm. they've slain two birds here 
They've got Ricochet over or on the precipice of being yeah. over or on the precipice of a, a featured cast member that this crowd are really going to get into as a result of this. And within the parameters of this storyline of, oh, I'm flashy, I could I'll flash you. It's like, no, no, I'm Ricochet. I'm going to beat you up and do it in a spectacular way. Mm-hmm. They've got these fans to care about a match premised on spectacular action. Like I was really impressed by this. Mm. Um, WWE is done something to try and make Ricochet a star, and in the same breath, they've told the story around what he has rather than what he hasn't, which mm. is this great comedic timing or this WWE babyface dickhead delivery. And I just think, this is a lot of work and resource that I've talked about in the intro, the resources that you have. You can convince Logan Paul to wrestle for you, and you can train him to be good. You should probably tell the uh, trainers at the performance center <laughs> do that with the others as well. They've actually used the machine, this vast, incredibly rich machine, to do something really exciting and productive. A massive round of applause in the household. Sidgwick for me for this. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Then we got Zoe Stark versus Becky Lynch um, with Stratus, obviously, at ringside for this. Um, and she helps Stark take over. Her trips Lynch behind the ref's back, um, so Stark's in control. But after the break, uh, Becky Lynch makes her comeback, kicks an exploder, gets a two count. Um, Stark comes back, clothesline, knee, twisting sent on. Uh, but Lynch counters the finisher of Stark's and hits a reverse DDT for two um, and goes to the disarmer. Stark counters it a couple of times, managed to hit a great spinning kick for a near fall. Stark does the whole cradle whilst holding onto the ropes, but the ref catches us, and then Lynch reverses it, and Trish is up, up, up in arms about her attempting to do something similar. Lynch argues with Stratus, um, and uh, Stark tries a finisher, but Lynch counters it again. She drop kicks Stratus off the apron, but because of the distraction of that, Stark rolls her up and gets the one, two, three. This was only good rather than great, but I just cannot fault the commitment of anybody involved. And that's like, that's not me saying, oh, I was wowed by this. Like, round of applause at home, that kind of thing. Uh, Becky Lynch, obviously, giving up a pinfall. And we've seen there are plenty of wrestlers that maybe give up too many these days. Uh-huh. But I don't think she's quite there yet. 
This was not nothing, and they will, you know, Trish especially, will lean on this. You are not going to be allowed to forget that Becky Lynch got pinned on this night and that, like, this is one of, like, the biggest moments in Stark's career. That's fantastic. Trish was a far superior and more entertaining clowning sidekick than the centerpiece of the story, which we kind of know she is. It's her and Becky. There's, you know, big legacy stuff. Who's the biggest legend, blah, blah, blah. But they're trying to hide and get somebody over in, like, in the middle of all of this. So I've, I was, again, like, impressed is probably the word. I was just, I wish the action was better, and I wish maybe from the distraction we'd had something like a finisher rather than a roll-up. So it's not like a gold star or anything, but I do, I do think they're doing all the right things with the story, even if some weeks, like, the performances or promos leave a lot to be desired. Um, I don't know, they've just, they put me in a good mood with it at Money in the Bank, and I kind of want to see them see it through, and I think it's going to really benefit Zoe Stark. Zoe Stark's a very, very Triple H wrestler. I think she will get opportunities, and yeah. They're giving her the best possible platform. She to takes them when they give them to her as yeah, well. Yeah, like to get started and get going. I think this is really going to work for her. I remain just bored by this entire storyline and uh, every single chapter in it. As Hamlet said, like this was nowhere near as bad as some of the promos I've heard from both Trish and Zoe. And because Becky, who's a great promo, is having to sort of spar with two people well below her level, it's just not really working. She's getting dragged down rather than elevating it, and the match was merely good. Mm. Merely good when I had higher expectations. So um, I would be happy if it was resolved next week, personally. <laughs> uh, Rollins, Zane, and Owens are in the back. They're going to smash heads, break noses. They're on the same page. Then they're heading to the main event. And then it was time for the Alpha Academy graduation ceremony. Uh, Chad Gable and Otis are there with gowns on and there's a podium and all that. Uh, they're here to celebrate the achievements of the first ever female graduate of the Alpha Academy. Uh, he's going to present an official diploma to his new prized pupil. Here she is, Maxine Dupree. Uh, here she comes. She's got her own pink graduation gown. Uh, Chad says, the floor's yours. She thanks Coach Gable. She says, when I first met you, I thought you were a disgusting little troll. But I was wrong. You're a great mentor. You're a teacher. You're a wonderful friend. And thanks to your training, I was able to, able to beat that ugly witch Valhalla and win my first match on Raw. And then she turns to Otis, uh, calls him her muse, her rock. She says, if it wasn't for you catching my eye, none of this would have been possible. Uh, and lastly, thanks to each and every one of you. And it felt very genuine, this, so I quite liked that, um, for accepting her, allowing her to become a star. They're all just getting started. Oh, thank you! Um, Gable says, right, we've got a little tradition to make this official. Take your clothes off. Take your cap and gown off. Calm down, some of the fans in Buffalo, not like that. He's got something for her. Again, not that. Um, more. I was more. Oh, my God. But Otis taking off his gown, to be perfectly honest. Um, she's gonna, did, where are you? She's going to put the last jacket on she's ever going to wear. It's the... They've got. They've both got their... I like the way Otis also struggled... Varsity. Also yeah. struggled with his jacket. He's a bit sweaty <laughs> and stuff. We've all been there. Um, but they're gonna, before they can put the jacket on here, here come the bloody Viking Raiders to ruin the whole thing. Um, and that distracts the Alpha Academy. Valhalla sneaks in, attacks Maxine, and steals her jacket. Better charming crap than drab crap. And that's what I would classify this. This is charming crap. It's not very funny. It's not as funny as it was, which is not ideal. I think now that they're... She's just an out-and-out baby face. I loved the match last week. I think you're getting the absolute most from the least. Not to, like, denigrate her work, but this is, like, really lightweight stuff. And it got one of the hottest reactions of the night. And it might have peaked. Hey, we're getting a Viking rules match next what week. What is that? 
Well, yeah. we'll do, uh, um, we're going to have a think about this, and we're going to come in with our own Viking rules on the preview next week, I think. Okay. Yeah. That's the Actually, I'm not here on the Monday. You two are going to come in with your oh, own that's, Viking that's rules. pressure. I don't yeah, want to do that. Promote that in a podcast before telling us you're nowhere near it. <laughs> um, I don't think this is very funny. <laughs> um, I just, that sounds like a parent telling you. I don't think this is very funny, kids. I don't think this is particularly amusing. I think... Uh, I just didn't laugh once, and it's meant to be a comedy segment. Nor did I feel that, you know, that sitcom warmth, mm. that, ah, uh, the world does exist, but I'm just going to pretend it doesn't. Yeah. And I'm going to live vicariously through these uh, these crazy guys and their, and their sort of wacky lives and mm-hmm. their, the lessons they learn and the love stories and all the rest of it. And I just didn't feel any of that warmth. Well, dead inside watching this, and then <laughs> smile. It's just, it's not funny and it's not warm. Not even a. No, it's not warm and it's not funny and it's not. I did that when she did the other. Thank you. I still think that's that's funny. Not for me, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> um, right earlier on in the day, um, Shayna Baszler's there. She's got some cards because uh, she's the queen of space. Um, and Emma's there, and she's like, oh. Yeah, I'm impressed what you did to Ronda Rousey, says Emma. We should finish the job together. She's like, I'll show you what I'm going to do. I'll see you out there, right? Let's have a bare knuckle fight then. And then we get Shayna Baszler versus Emma. Skip, skip. So. I'm watching this. One with the curfew to clutch. Ronda got in her face yeah, Shut up, skip, skip. I want to watch like fake feeling submission wrestling on Monday Night Raw. Exactly. It's short. It's crap. It's wrestling related. The five-star review review. Nailed it. And this week's five-star review review is brought to you by Barney Dufton. Thank you for your email, Barney. Yes, you can suggest a five-star review review either on Apple Podcasts by leaving us a five-star rating on there or leave us a five-star rating on Spotify. Screenshot it. We need the proof. And email it to me, adam.wilborn at whatculture.com. You may remember, Barney... Because Barney was the one who emailed us around this time last year saying we soundtrack the birth of his child. Oh, yeah, uh, Barney! Nice so to hear from you, Barney. Bit of an update from Barney. Barney writes, Dear Adam and the Dadly Boys, I hope you're keeping well. And he emailed nearly a year ago telling you the story of your podcast accidentally soundtracking the birth of my second child. As it's coming up to her first birthday, and with the happy news that Adam will be achieving dadly status imminently, I just want to drop you a line to wish you all the best. Your podcast was a lifesaver during the night fees, and as they started to be less regular, is now equally life-saving as I walk the long way back from the shop just to get 10 minutes to myself. Yeah, that's the good stuff, like. I'll go to the shop. Oh, my God. You carry those bags. <laughs> Are they really as heavy as the burden? <laughs> I remember. <laughs> I remember someone telling me a, a dad who no. again will remain will remain nameless talked about in the in the Pando times being the person who volunteers to do the big shop and getting to whatever big supermarket you choose to shop at and seeing that you know the spaced out queue we used to have yeah with lines drawn on the pavement. And him being shoot ecstatic, he was like, "Well, that's another half hour." Like everyone else is like, "Oh, for f- I'm gonna have to wait ages here." But parents are like, "Oh no, not another hour away from carnage back home." <laughs> I forgot the leaks. I'm gonna have to start again. <laughs> Absolutely good. It'll leak in your life. <laughs> also, right, I've just realised that's the only cooking thing I can say. Like. Uh, I'll cook with leeks sometimes because I read in a cookbook good somewhere. Good base flavor. They release like good base flavor, and they release natural oils, so you need to use less like cooking oil or fat because mm. leeks do it in a healthy way. Mm. So I'm a leek. I'm a leeks guy. 
I've uh, definitely done the... Uh... Babe, come in here. There's a leak in the kitchen. Asshole. good. Right. Come back. <laughs> I realise I realize with some of the stuff we've already said, I've already said on this podcast, we probably should clarify for any newer listeners, but particularly here, I need your help with this because uh, Barney continues, despite not yet being old enough... <laughs> To be a paid-up member of hashtag Jackknife Your Kids. Yeah. She's got an older sister for that. Just to clarify. Yeah. Jackknife Your Kids. Because it's class. But they need to be like sort of around five years old. And make sure it's on like the bed of the sofa. I would never advocate Jackknifing Your Kids in a squared circle. No. But like it's so much fun. Like kids love it. Like hold them around like on the bed and on the sofa. Like yes. play wrestling. And then they beat you in the end as well. You do the J-O-B. Like they're having a whale of a time, but like the jackknife is particularly pleasing because it was like the way like Nash used to, because of his height, would just drop them. So if like you're stood over the bed, it's like, oh, you go, whoa, whoa. Yeah. And they just think they're dropping a hundred foot. Jackknife, you kids. Uh, my youngest favorite thing of late is to get very gently, I clarifies, blue thunder bombed onto the sofa. <laughs> <laughs> Mint man. She always does kick out at two though. Um, Adam, unsolicited parenting advice is the worst, so I'll save you that, but best of luck. Cheers, guys. Keep up the good work. And then he just writes, raw underground, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) I'd buy that. So, Michael Hamflet, take us back to August 2020, please. No, but uh, WWE didn't know what to do. Couldn't find their arse with both hands at figuring out how to produce television for the pandemic. Some, like, what, four months in, five months in? Yeah. AW was just making transcendent wrestling television. It'll stand up for the rest of the company's life. Impossible. Uh, (laughs) Impossible achievements. Dynamite is shoot-goated. We use that. We throw that around. Pandemic era dynamite, just week after week after week of these delightful storyline developments, these creative solutions to the incredible difficult problems that wrestling was presented. Just saw a blank canvas. Yeah. (laughs) Didn't see this bleak, empty space. Thought, let's do something with it. Tony Khan had these long stories that he planned to tell between 2019 and what, like 2021 at least? And he somehow kept them going and like was able to be inventive with the circumstances. Hey, hey, I, I, I step, you stop me there. WWE saw something they could do with it as well. It was bullying Michael Cole initially. Oh, yeah, yeah. WWE just switched the ceiling fan on and then allowed local elderly folk into the performance center. <laughs> Also, it was a very, very dark time, and I don't want to make light of this. Obviously, it was a, a very tough time. Everyone should still remain, stay safe and all that. Yeah. But the bit where they were like, guys, 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 we're doing checks, and we've got the, the big uh, plexiglass screens up, so everyone's safe. Also, the street prop is going to make their entrance through that entire thing anyway, so I don't see what the problem is. They got some, uh, Insane. Yeah. Got some uh, great uh, spree. Or a spray in the ring. Where's the spray? Like, where's the world not got the spray? Yeah, yeah. Like, imagine the things we could have done with that spray. Like, should we spray some workplaces? No, WWE's got all the spray. <laughs> if, bloody hell. Well, they are Florida essential yeah, that's it, yeah. workers. Yeah. So. Um, and then there was a, I'm pretty sure we've had something like this recently where, so this is around the time of, what was that stable with those guys that all had masks and, uh, I can't remember the name. Oh, uh, yeah. uh, guys. That and this all at the same time. Like, that was it. Raw's gone mad. <laughs> this will fix it. They've smashed the same window twice. What are they doing? I mean, like, Alistair Black and Apollo Crews going 38 minutes will send you. It will. I lived it. But I uh, Raw went nuts. It just <laughs> went absolutely, it went absolutely, you got absolutely stupid. Last Was this the last sort of axe before the Thunderdome? Yeah, it must have been up there. Yes, because can you remember... All the dickheads on Reddit going, oh, my God, you might think retribution are lame. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what's going to happen is that you've got a group of vandals who are intent on disrupting the system. Wait until they break the Thunderdome on the first night and become goaded. 
They just didn't do it. No, they uh, announced they were Raw exclusive. Yeah. <laughs> and their, their big thing was uh, coming in and hitting the mat with a baseball bat for a bit. <laughs> like, you know, like Milhouse pressing the buttons on the plane. That was the exact noise I imagined the diminutive retribution member. <laughs> we're going to cause more trouble than ever now that we're Raw exclusive. And they lost straight away to their business. Yeah. yeah. They went through that period, didn't they, WWE? They'd be like, right, big new group on the scene, lose their first thing. <laughs> it was the, the Selena Vega case, Oh, Christ. Oh, my God. Every time they'd add a new person to the stable, they'd lose. <laughs> that, that was, like, funny. <laughs> well, you've signed up with Selena Vega. One, two, three. What? Why are you doing this? <laughs> yeah, so pandemic was, uh, was rubbish. So, I, I'll, full disclosure, apologies, uh, Barney, but I did not subject these two to this. But I'm going to talk them through it now and, and get their memories of this. So, yes, I've clicked on the video. Shane McMahon introduces Raw Underground. It's from August 3rd, 2020, and it's got him pulling that face that we all remember of this is sick. Although he actually, interestingly enough, in this first episode, or at least this clip I watched, doesn't say the word sick. Really? Yeah, it's like a weird, what's it called, like Mandela effect Mandela or whatever? Effect. You sort of misremember yes. something. The McMandela effect. He's, yeah. he's already so sweaty. <laughs> like, it opens and he's... Covered in sweat, which considering where we were at the time and the fact that 90% of the people in the arena, in the Raw Underground, whatever you call it, are wearing masks and are kind of spacing out a little bit. All very ominous, all this. But he welcomes us to Raw Underground where there are, get this, Sige, very little rules, lots of excitement, carnage, chaos, and quite frankly, lots of things that I'd like to see. That was his introduction. It's like... The worst elevator pitch I've ever heard. Imagine dropping it quite frankly in Fight Club. I'm going to kick his ass quite frankly. They were in, in stark contrast to how things are going now. It was plummeting. They couldn't find the friggin' floor for these ratings. And in desperation, they went, Shane moved it once, that needle. So what do we do? Well, first of all, get Shane back. <laughs> Shane, what do you think we should do? MMA. I, I've got this. I've said it all along. To be fair, he did get on top of that. You should have been on top of it, Shane. He had the idea. This is going to be massive. Yeah. And then went, no Two months was it lasted? But um, you just reminded me there. I think one of WWE's writers has got away and now writes for the TV show Blue Bloods. Okay. Tom Selleck in it. I don't know if it's still going. And one of the is it Donnie Warburg was in that? Possibly. He was it, at WrestleMania 10. And Louise was watching it the other day. And I laughed out loud because it came, the sunlight came out straight out of WWE. He's a hard-nosed detective. Hey, he breaks the rules, but he gets results, Sitch. Yes, okay? okay, yeah, yeah. And he came out of a crime scene. I've never heard a New York detective, huh? I got a new partner here. I'm t- teaching him the ropes. And he was like, they got some things. And he went, get that over to evidence forthwith. And I was like, I'm so <laughs> Anyway, back to Raw Underground. <laughs> Michael's got right stat now. <laughs> Um, do you remember who the first match? Well, you don't know. One of them was a, it was a goober versus who? Can you remember who the first Raw Underground sensation? Let's say was Riddick Moss. It was not Riddick Moss. Dolph. It wasn't Dolph. It was of course Dabakato. I was going to say that, but I thought that would be Mandela effect. Yeah, mm, this is the thing. I couldn't remember what I order thought, it all came in. I was thinking like they have three fights, and it's like, ah, oh, tough guys. Yeah, Dabakato was a monster. Yeah, they weren't ready for him. That's like, no, just straight. Straight. In. They would just do stuff, wouldn't they? Was, what were we doing this week? Stuff. Don't know. Like it's a pandemic. Nobody cares. Knockout Titus O'Neil. Um, then yeah, um, we're going to have 
someone invade. Like, do like do like we've got a seven foot security guard. Strowman was in it. Like twelve million views. The uh, Dabakato Strowman thing's got really. Yeah, remember the Shane Strowman thing? Shane just walk out and go. You <laughs> <laughs> <He's> stupid. <laughs> and uh, uh, and you know, uh, uh, stupid is as stupid does, and you fell off the stupid tree and <laughs> fell on every branch on the way down. He's walking around the ring and leave. Uh, he got like, what have I just watched? And then Michael Cole will tell you, a WrestleMania match. <laughs> like, they, just, they would just do something. Something was wrong with Shane. <laughs> that was, that was, something was wrong with him, and no one's reported that story. Something wrong with him when he took that bump in the match. That, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> in terms was, of getting your revenge. It was great. Like, the only time, uh, not ever, because, you know, Jim Ross existed. But certainly, the only time in recent times where WWE commentary has made a spot there, Shane's still got it, knee blows at him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Anyway, so <laughs> I played this for you in the office, and I'm trying to try and recreate it here. So he goes, you know, let's get this, you know, this terrifying new thing. Let's get Dabakato out here. And Dabakato comes from the, comes from the, out of the shadows, climbs into the ring, and Shane goes, <laughs> the weirdest introduction I've ever heard. And he doesn't know his height or weight. So he just sort of eyeballs it. He goes, standing at a blah, seven foot tall, weighing about 360. Dabacado. Shane McMahon delivering ocular pat down the yes. underground. <laughs> And then he goes, and there's another guy who's been pacing about. He's got like a vest on and he, you know, and shorts, I don't know, fight stuff in it. Looks like somebody off like Streets of Rage that was called like Scab. Yeah. So he would like he goes, take three hits instead of two. And like at least, you know, these normally go, or if it's like a squash match on Raw, they go introducing Steve from Round Ear, right? He goes, and in this corner... I don't know, man. I'm getting out of the way. You're on your own. <laughs> Imagine that in a, an MMA fight. And this, and in this corner, some guy's zillion. <laughs> <laughs> like, they would just do like they come out there and it's like I'm Mace and this is my friend D Bar. And we're just, well, what are we gonna do with that? Like this, you're dead. Like this, this gimmick is not gonna work. Speaking of Marseille. Spotted him at ringside. Saw him. I think Swerve was knocking about. Santos Escobar was keeping himself way in the back. And, uh, yeah, some other just people from NXT just mecking up the numbers, yeah. basically. Um, I've written down verbatim Shane's commentary. Yeah. Oh, get on him. That's it. Oh, he's done. That's good. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, who got next? Who got next? Anybody? And some chubby bloke in jeans that are too big for him with his socks on gets in. <laughs> Take your socks off, at least. And he throws, like, one kick. And Shane goes, oh, he's going for it. Yep, that's over. And that's literally <laughs> a second late because he catches him and just hoys him. These five-second fights with about 80 camera cuts were unfathomably insane to me, dreadful. even by Vince standards. And it was, like, within the performance center, like, the commentators were like, so, I think there's some rumblings going on in the bowels of the building. Like, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what's underneath my chair? But Dabakato obviously can't be controlled. So he has to be pulled <laughs> off uh, by the referee. Not like that. Uh, he goes, Yeah, that's over. Oh, stop that. That's good. 
Yo, 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 to try and calm down Dabber Kato. Hey, man, this match is diesel. <laughs> hey, hey, Scott, Scott Levy, it's diesel, right? We're bros, right? Um, declares Dabber Kato. Instant like I'm going out together today. Yeah. <laughs> he declares Dabber Kato the winner. Oh, and I forgot. Because obviously this is the first ever Aurora Underground. Time for more dancing girls. Oh, God, yeah. Wiggling their bum. Were they, like, gone after a week? Yeah. I think they've gone after the first yeah, week. they got told well, that they shouldn't do that anymore. Yeah. Well, some people may not agree with you on that one, Sige. Oh. We'll get to them imminently. Uh, and he says, all right. <laughs> all right, Dabber. That's, thanks for tonight. We good. Who's coming in next? Raw Underground is going to be right back. And then there's that awkward 10-second pause where they haven't cut away, and he just sort of looks down the lens. We off? Give me a towel. Tim <laughs> McMahon thought this ruled. Yeah. Well, he wasn't the only one, Sidge, because oh, we go over to the comment section. Oh, God. These, arguably more so than when they're absolutely disgraceful, even more here, do not use myself, the Dadly Boys, anyone at What Culture Wrestling, or Barney who suggested this. Thank you again, Barney. Cheers, Barney. Um... Sidge, sure as sunrise and sunset, you say this every time, that no matter how bad it is mm-hmm. that we watch it, someone's going to be there saying... Wish wrestling was like this again. Tony P, God, I missed WWE during the pandemic era. I wrote that a month ago. I d- how? A month? Mm-hmm. There are people who... Been, yeah, sorry. Who, like, a day after something has happened, look at yesterday with the most deep... <laughs> Like profound nostalgia. Oh God, take me back to that day. Yesterday. Let's live it again. Pretty much in these times still. <laughs> they just constantly wish that Bill Murray. Come on, Grand <laughs> I just, I like if he misses lockdown so much, just like send him to prison for that take. Like that can be like the pandemic again. I cannot I cannot fathom it. I know. I just like we are we've got through, obviously. Uh, probably the most difficult time our generation and generations before the most us. difficult time of my life yeah like and people are going oh, it was good though wasn't it like we have to deal with a lot of blitz spirit in this country and I think it's amazing that people survived and got through war but like they say it as if there wasn't like mass death yeah like that's what this was it's good though wasn't it sitting inside <laughs> never knowing if you'd ever be able to go outside again worrying about friends and relatives endless, though, endless fear of what you didn't know could kill you good Endless fear of, what if I'm unknowingly infected? Yep. And I'm walked too close to someone who's old. Jesus. Sorry, Dabba Kato was going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, sort of WWE fans. Are, I just feel sorry they're not watching wrestling. Yeah. They'd, they'd realise how much they should appreciate this time. Uh, yeah, again, the usual comment section stuff here, Sige. Uh, <laughs> people think they can improve on, well, some people think it's perfection, some people, but you can slightly improve on it. Uh, Mr. 78T-King42. Oh, imagine the Undertaker's entrance in Raw Underground. <laughs> <laughs> wonder if that absolute mark, the Undertaker, looked at it and went, oh, God. Yeah, Michelle, this might be the thing that gets me back. Finally, they made sense out of this damn business. Turn all the lights off. I'm walking in. Uh, is that Debra Keel looking at me like? <laughs> kick his ass. Hey, Shane, no rules, huh? I got me some guns and knives. Also, <laughs> no, also, also, no rules, but also stop as soon as I say stop. No yeah. rules, but stop when I say stop. No rules, no problem. Quite frankly. I had me an old buddy who taught me the ropes of this kind of thing. 
Went by the name of Gamma Mustafa. <laughs> you want someone to deal with the retribution? How about you make one call for the BSK? Uh, make a, make so I see when I look around here and roll on the ground. Badass is always kicking asshole's ass. <laughs> Thunderstorm writes, they need to add special effects yeah, like is. they do in movies and make this fight club badass. <laughs> so a computer game is what you want to watch. <laughs> Watch the film Fight Club. Yeah. <laughs> all these sport mixed martial arts. Yeah, this is this is another one. Pro Wrestling Rally, all caps. You can see there. I have wanted something like this for years. Thank you, WWE. Watch UFC. All <laughs> <laughs> the motion picture Fight Club. Did anybody? Or read the book Fight Club, on which it was based. Considering that this was loads a shame, of options. Like this was a shameless lift directly from Fight Club. I don't remember anybody calling this cinema. Ah, oh, no, no. <laughs> That's probably some arsehole who did. <laughs> Warren London, bringing back the Attitude Era. I love it. <laughs> Any, anything's the Attitude Era. I know, I know. Anything. Uh, oh, and Arse Cheek. Oh, God, it's 1998. Yes. I'll tell you what, you're brilliantly sagging between these comments. Politic1148 writes, It looked corny as hell, but girls half naked's great, so. <laughs> uh, there are options there as well. <laughs> right. told. Brian Elvis by Wilborn. <laughs> Brian Elvis Pacheco. I loved every second of the raw after dark. Loved the audience energy. And the girls. There's no audience. The wrestlers made. I loved Austin Good as much as the next one, but I would rather have had a Arthur Rash. But they got confused as well there. Do you remember Raw After Dark for a bit? They just do stuff. Like, we're going to uh, black out the Titan tribe. We're going to get pretty edgy around here. The electric chair. Was that Was that? Yeah. Like, uh, do you want me to talk about AEW? Kevin Owens going to run up a skate ramp. Roll after dark. See you later. Anything could happen. Anything could happen. See you next week at Stalker. <laughs> and by that, we meet, literally would turn the lights down a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Please watch the third hour. Um, also, I like this weird... I'm stumbling through, stumbling through all the... God, this is goaded sort of comments. I found this from Richard DeFranco. I knew Shane in college. He was a good dude. I remember once someone blocked his baby blue Lincoln Continental, so he and I lifted it out of the way. <laughs> Carl, what a weird flex. Was he an old-timey strongman? <laughs> We're going to pick it up. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think that's all the comments. Oh, no, sorry, one more. And um, That does not reflect the uh, views of myself, the dad, who was around on what culture wrestling. Greg, just right. Just right. Said I'd find it. Anyone know the? Anyone know the name of the middle dancing girl? I want to kiss, lick, and worship her ass. She's <laughs> going to church on Sunday. Methodist, uh, Roman Catholic. <laughs> Uh, no ass. It's a, it's a church of ass. Oh, what's that? That's all right. This is a bird that um, I don't know the name of. I don't know a name. Um, I'm working, working on it. Working on it. I can only see her through my TV screen at present, <laughs> and yet um, she's still my deity. So every Sunday between the hours of ten and eleven a.m., I sit down at my laptop on bended knee and worship and pray and. Uh, yeah, just pray to her ass that I, you know, I'm just thankful for her ass, <laughs> the, the blessings her ass have given to me, and I ask her 
to um, I asked the ass, <laughs> just a disembodied ass, to be honest. <laughs> I don't really give a f- like the, the toss about what's inside her head or anything like that. Oh, <laughs> I just want that ass to bless me. Praise be to middle woman. <laughs> Praise be to middle woman from Raw Underground's ass. Um, it guides me in life, and hopefully, when I shuffle off this mortal coil. I could spend infinity <laughs> next to in her ass. Ass men. Thanks, Barney, for that one. How are the kids doing well? <laughs> <laughs> Back to Monday Night Raw. Oh, there's loads left. Is Cody Rhodes is here. What do you guys want to talk about? Uh, and he says, just indulge me, everyone watching at home. I'd like to turn around and see all the fans in this arena. And he gets a huge reaction from that, of course. He says, sometimes there's this invisible wall between me and the fans, but uh, I always feel like you're in here with me. I appreciate that. This isn't performative. Everything I've been telling the fans is real. I wasn't just talking about career goals. I'm talking about life goals. And he talks about when he was here in the UK, being asked about his momentum. Uh, He answered honestly, but his answer has kind of haunted him since, he said. Um, Every city that they went to was was sold out. Every crowd was louder than the next. By every metric, he's doing just fine. But uh, he gets... He's, this fan's persisting, asking him, and uh, uh, he talks about momentum being shaky. There's a mountain in his way. It's named Brock Lesnar. He can't go over it. He can't go around it. He's got to go through it. Uh, Lesnar's all here tonight. Directly he, reading, um, yeah. we're going on a bear hunt to the, to the Ben. We're going on a Brock hunt. Yeah. yeah. That's canny. Yeah. It's a good one. I said that last page we're going to oh, so where, dark. where the bear's just walking alone on the beach. I'm like, oh, well, I couldn't savage that family. We played like, the board game. Why? How can you feel sorry for a bear? I, I, I saw that last picture. I've, I've told this. We talked about this before, like children's books. What are these authors thinking in the right. old times? Rowdar mm. hates bears. Why? Got some great stories. And the tiger never came to tea again. Yeah. I hate this. this. I have to miss the last page. Bought like a massive tin of tiger food. Yeah, this, whimsi- this whimsical tiger who enchants people. Oh, the tiger never came to tea again, just so you know. <laughs> Why can't you just put it at the end of the freaking page? Only come back every night for tea. Captured. What the fuck does a kid learn from that? Yeah. Captured by the zoo. Killed. You know, this thing that we just invented. Never see that again. Yeah. <laughs> just make it up. Does, what does that prepare you for life? Just fall. Just <laughs> good that the tiger's not going back to tea. <laughs> yeah, first, like, oh, God, a tiger in the kitchen. This is a real problem. It's like, oh, no, he's actually quite friendly. He's eating everything. Yeah, it's just less than but it means like my mate Paul from uni. <laughs> but is he a communist? Is he? <laughs> was he? We had a biscuit box, uh-huh. and everyone contributed except the communist. And this just taught me like, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm I'm a left leaning guy. Yeah. Just you know, but I was just like, what an ironic communist you are. <laughs> well, you're living down to the stereotype of everyone buys biscuits for the biscuit tin. Yeah. For the biscuit box. Um. After what, watching telly on a night biscuit. Contributed once. Oh, don't like that. Biscuits, milk, stuff like that. Just play oh, the game. Just play the game. Did I tell you how you wash dishes? <laughs> God, I could have killed him. <laughs> Dirty dishes. Uh-huh. Everyone was a bastard for it at uni. Mm-hmm. Like, I was a big proponent of, I'm not touching anybody else's. I don't even make elaborate meals at this point. I'm just going to clean my plate and leave it there, and I'm, I'm done. Mm. Everyone else used to just leave it, leave it, leave it. <laughs> In the sink, loads of dishes. Squeezed the fairy liquid. Oh, no. Boiled the kettle. <clears throat> waited for the kettle to boil, during which p- 
point. He could have just ran the hot tap and just got on with it. Yeah. Poured boiling water over the fairy liquid in the dishes, just thinking it would all magically go away. And then that was his... He just used to do that. <laughs> he finished. <laughs> clean. So I, I can't do anything because my hands will... <laughs> so I can't even clean up your mess yet. Paul. Uh, everyone's got a Brock... Nice guy other than that. Yeah. Uh, everyone's got a Brock Lesnar in their life. Uh, the thing that was impeding them from taking their next step. Fear of heights, bosses, etc. Uh, he wants a rubber match against Lesnar. Um, show up like next week, Brock. Shake my hand. If you don't, it's going to be another night of me popping you in the head and attacking you with a chair to end the chapter that you started for no reason. Whoever emerged from the dust would be next in line. This prince doesn't want to be a prince any longer. He wants to be next in line. Isn't that a prince? I, I don't even know with Cody. I'm just too busy squealing and crying. Yeah, Cody same, Rhodes yeah. is going to win the WWE title at WrestleMania 40 and finish the story because there is just simply nobody like him. Like, the old snake oil expression was yes. coined because... Nobody knew what snake oil was. The so snake oil salesman could say, well, it's this. Well, I need it for this. Well, you won't believe it, right? But it does this too. How's he doing this with WWE storytelling? Every single... My, like, crippling anxiety is a Brock Lesnar. Well, that's brilliant. Like, you've made fighting Brock Lesnar for the third time in a WWE trilogy, this relatable, I'm with you, stay with me because I'm with you. He's amazing. He's a gift to this organization. Like, Cody Rhodes is a gift because even when Vince was there... Without, you know, like, Triple H or whatever, he was knocking this sort of stuff out for that Seth Rollins trilogy. He's doing it again. He cannot be stopped. He is quite literally undeniable. Sometimes you think, he's got that quality now where you start thinking, is he talking bollocks? Mm. Quite frankly. <laughs> yes. It's like, a little bit, but I'm still mad into it. Yeah. Still totally mad into it. I love him. Yeah. Most interesting guy. He's, he was getting kind of the piss ripped out of him with the so-called Codyverse. But he's got that, reputation now where it's either really stirring, genuinely more stirring than it has any right to be as material, or it's just a bit funny. Mm. And then you remember his walk in the first Lesnar match that got memed to death. <laughs> yeah. It's just funny. Yeah. He's, either, he's either funny or the best. And I'm grateful for both versions of that man. Mm. Uh, so like, even though it's not his voice, all I can hear is the ball family one, you're making me so mad. Like, <laughs> he's walking like that with a cartoon stomp. <laughs> Then we got the new DQ match between The Miz and Tommaso Ciampa. They get into it straight away, and Corey Graves has a breakdown on commentary and doesn't understand what no DQ match is anymore, and literally says, help me, Kevin Patrick. <laughs> I feel like Kevin Patrick, for all the times, you know, when he goes like, Kevin Patrick, who fair play to him, I couldn't do it as a job, has to talk for three hours constantly, and he's got someone yelling in his ear, and he has to explain everything for all the thickos watching, right? <laughs> And every now and again, he'll maybe say something that's a bit hyperbolic or, or whatever it may be. Oh, dear. Yeah. And, and Corey Grace will immediately come in and go, that's a load of nonsense. You're a bellend. Yeah. Right? I wouldn't, I wouldn't have had anything against Kevin Patrick. He'd have just turned around at that point and gone, no, 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 Corey. You, go on. Keep going. You can't explain a no DQ match. But he stepped in because he's a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> Who is? Kevin Patrick. Thanks. Go to a break after Champa wraps Miz's head in a chair and posts him. Um, and then we come back and Miz coming off the top with a big trash can leg. But Champa catches him with a knee strike in midair. Uh, use the bin lid, multiple knee strikes in the corner with it. He puts Miz through a table with an air raid crash off the middle rope. The crowd loved that. And he's got it won, basically. 
But out of nowhere, here comes Bronson Reed to break it up. He attacks Champa, hits him with a tsunami, and Miz crawls over and just flops an arm there to get the victory. We called this as well. You called it. All you, I it's said it wouldn't happen. Brain, basically. I said it wouldn't happen because the Miz, when he was trying to get involved in the poker game, that was just made up by uh, <laughs> JBL and Baron Corbin. Remember that? Um, said that you know he has to have an allowance off Marie so he couldn't stump up the cash. Now, all of a sudden, he gets the cash. I think Michael Hamflit might have an, an explanation, and maybe it's facetious. He's uh, out of the doghouse now, which he was put in when it was revealed that he was paying Dexter Loomis to make him more, what, notorious, was it? Yeah. yeah like, so he was obviously, the purse strings were tightened, but now everything's, everything's absolutely fine. Everything is fine. What's happened in the Miz and Maurice's life in the last six months on screen that makes that okay? Uh, nice to each other or something? Balls. Yeah, they're fine. Balls. She got on the hosting gig for WrestleMania. That's it. Yeah. Oh, so, that's a big payday. Yeah, big payday. That was the they'll, they'll be like right score draw. They don't pay attention to any of this. It's fine. It's true. This match was uh, every weapons brawl you've ever seen, yeah. and what's weird is that when you get a crowd that is demonstrably hot for certain things, like Drew, my new favorite wrestler. When they aren't up for something else, you start to ask questions. What was the problem? Do they not take Champa seriously as a main roster guy yet? Or were they just watching The Miz try and be hard in a weapons match and just thought, no. But they had certain thoughts about this match and they weren't really into it. And then Bronson Reed comes out and he's just, he's never getting over that lad. So I put over Triple H's plot in before with regards to Riddle and Drew. This is absolutely bobbins, this. I'm going to bury it here because The Miz and Bronson, Bronson Reed again? It's such a lame match for the DIY comeback feud because people are going to say, well, they need a big win. You know, like, and the Miz and Bronson Reed, like, the Miz is a two time WWE champion. Check his CV. Mm. And Bronson Reed's this, like, new up and coming star. They're going to beat the Miz easily. And then Bronson Reed's going to disassociate himself from him. And Triple H is going to think, I've nailed this because I brought Three DIY back. Yeah. yeah. And Bronson's still fine. Bronson's not fine. This stinks. And the DIY match that you want to see isn't this. It's happened on collision on Saturday. Like, that's the DIY match you want to watch, not this. Yeah. One, that's if DIY even happens because Vince is pretty much de-emphasizing LA Knight. Maybe he just hates Gargano. Uh, I don't think he was in a dark segment. It was an exclusive. All right, cool. That's the main event. It's done huge numbers on. It's done huge numbers on, oh, on, LA, on Knight. Yeah, with uh, LA Knight. Yeah, with LA Knight. It's done huge numbers on on YouTube. Maybe they're trying to engineer some kind mm. of a movement. I don't know. Maybe DIY. Yeah, like, yeah. this movement. does logically yes. build to the DIY reunion. And I'll tell you what, Bronson Reed's finished. <laughs> I don't think he's got that much about him anyway. I don't find him menacing. Some of his big guy spots are very fun, but he's not like a big guy or a dude. What was the line last week? I'm going to take you to the buffet of destructions and make you eat a lasagna of pain. That's what I was <laughs> rubbish, wasn't it? Some like rubbish that. like that. His gimmick is exclusively man who ruins matches with non-finishes, except you don't really into those matches, so do you care? Mm. Yeah. It's Bronson Reed. <laughs> Useless. It's hopeless. Uh, Sonia Deville and Chelsea Green are backstage. They're, of course, number one contenders after that excellent gauntlet uh, last week. Raquel Rodriguez and Liv Morgan uh, are going to be ringside for their match. They don't want that to happen. Rodriguez tells them to chill out. Uh, and Ripley's there, and she warns Rodriguez not to get involved in her business again, or else it was strike three. Full disclosure, I did laugh when Chelsea Green said, strike three, you're out. Basketball. Excellent. Love that. Love Chelsea Green. It's a very WWE joke. <laughs> uh, and uh, Morgan says, we got involved last week because you were a bully who disrespected Natalia. And Rodriguez cut her off and says, we'll, we'll stop you. You ever seen the sitcom Party Down? This will be my last swear. 
ever seen the sitcom Party no. Down? It's absolutely incredible and do a much better version of that joke where um, it's basically about a bunch of aspiring slash failed actors who are doing like some gig work as part of like a party catering business and um, it gets sort of like taken over by someone and it's played by, what's the female lead of The Good Place? So it's a really good comedic actor. Oh, um, not not Kristen oh, Bell. Is it Kristen Bell? I think so, yeah. yeah. So she's basically saying that you're all rubbish at your job. And um, she says, strike two, you're out. <laughs> and then someone says, there's three strikes in baseball. And she goes, this isn't baseball, <laughs> it's catering. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Uh, and then we get Sonia Deville and Chelsea Green versus Katana Chase. It's and so good. Watch Party Down if you get the chance. Yeah. It's got the f- comedy and the warmth. Mm. You know when certain, like The Office yeah. just intersects that brilliantly. It's it's th- it's that tier for me. How long did it go? Like seasons? Last two seasons. Cast, this cast is unbelievable. Yeah, it's by two the way. seasons and it's just been rebooted, but I haven't seen the n- next ah. one. But it was acclaimed. Yeah, yeah. Lizzie Kaplan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, there's some. People in this are great. I'm What's he called this. again? He was in Parks and Rec. Adam Scott. Adam Scott. Yeah, he's class. Like Ken Marino. He's been in loads. He's you, you look him up. Yeah. He's been in. Lo- he's been in Brooklyn Nine Nine. He's been in loads of stuff. He's great as well. Him and Martin Starr, who's the teacher in Spider Man, but has also done loads of nerd stuff as well. And Jane Lynch off of Glee as well. Yeah, she's unbelievable. This. This is great. That's so good. Add it to the list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Never ending list. Just need to finish Breaking Bad first now. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure you do. Breaking Bad is goaded. Here's a sacrilegious take. Ooh. I don't think Bear Cold Saul's that good. Ooh, I, think it's, I think it's too slow for its own good. Like, I think they've got a certain amount of seasons worth of story. I'm not a philistine. I can watch slow things. Um, but my God, it's just some of those external shots and how they built it's just it, get on with it. I didn't <laughs> think you'd go for Breaking Bad because, like, especially by the last season, it's like very 2019 NXT. Do you know, like, in the way it's sort of, no. what we've got coming up, well, there's a massive big development with that, like, that you didn't even know about, but we're going to put a huge explosion in there. There's storytelling like, and Breaking Bad. Oh, there's, <laughs> there's more. So they're good acting. There's the, they give um, you, like, a lot that you almost don't even want at some points. It's just like, well, this character has advanced way beyond in such a short amount of time for how much care they took in, like, the prior season. I used to get so giddy with, like, how on earth is he going to get out of this? Yeah. yeah how? Right. How? How? It was, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, Beckle Saul's too slow for its own good. Pretentious, I think. So I've never, it never watched it. upon itself. Yeah. It's finished now, isn't it? What's that from? Family Guy. <laughs> yeah. It's probably one of the best jokes I've ever done. They just nail one, the material that the critic is critiquing and the actual critique as well <laughs> as being so pretentious. It's one of the best jokes I've ever done. And then it got rubbish after three seasons. Sorry, Matt Reigns. Uh, Green and Deville beat Chase and Carl. <laughs> Don't you mean this picnic is ruining our ads? Look around your world, pretty baby. That is a good family guy joke. Yes, so um, unsurprisingly, the number one contenders who've got the tag title match next week won in two minutes yeah. against the guys who just bloody, bloody love partying. They bloody love partying three years ago. Um, shouldn't. Chelsea Green powerbombed someone on our own head. <laughs> yeah, it was really dangerous. That. This is a bad match. Put uh, feet on the ropes in Deville. So there's going to be cheating next week. Can they get around it? Bad, yes. Bad match in less than two and a half minutes, man. Uh, Byron Saxton interviews McIntyre and Riddle. Uh, and McIntyre's noticed that there's quite a lot of different groups around here popping up, using their numbers to an advantage. Um, but he's dealt with all that before. 
and they're going to eradicate all of them, starting with Imperium. Uh, and Riddle was like, I'm looking forward to being Gunther actually next week. And Drew McIntyre quite smartly says, that, that was a bad idea, that's a dumb idea, that, because I'm not here next week. I've got other work commitments or whatever. Why don't you delay the match a week? Because you're going to be isolated there. But he says, don't worry, I've gotten banned from ringside, Vinci and Kaiser. And when's that ever stopped anyone? Yeah. Uh, McIntyre's like, but yeah, finished up here. Should we go out on the piss? Riddle's like, sounds good. Saxon's like, yeah. And they're like, not you. Oh, I felt a bit sorry for him, probably because I kind of can relate to Byron Saxon and his partner. Anything you want to say about that? No. Oh, not at all. Main event time. It was good. It was uh, Finn, Finn Balor, Dominic Mysterio, and Damian Priest with Rhea Ripley at ringside versus the tag champ, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, and the world heavyweight champion, Seth Rollins. And I forgot to do this earlier, so I have to do it now. <laughs> <laughs> So, I know with DX, the it was a cock and the cock was a penis. With Seth Rollins, was it a chicken? Were we not talking about dick all this time? Was he just... Yeah. Because that was what he was eating at the start of this. So, that's why I thought this was weird. do, like, kind of suck the, yeah, the, the meat off the wing before they actually chew. Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo Wild Wings, Sitch. Yeah. One of my favourite places. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Cheap beers. Mountain Dew legend. That your burger looked better than my wings, but my wings... <laughs> were artificially enhanced to be like four times the size they should have been. <laughs> Your wings <laughs> so were juiced up, weren't they? Juiced up on glory, brother. <laughs> Your wings were failing a wellness test and kicked ass. They go to break with Owens taking out all the Judgment Day with a big dive off the top. That looked great. Um, Owens nails Balor with a DDT. Dom tries to come in and prevent the tag, and Owens just rolls out of the way and tags in Rollins anyway. That was fun. Uh Rollins beats Dom all over the place. Super kick, two count. Dom rakes Rollins' eyes, brings in Priest, who nails him with a lariat and hits a two count. Uh, he goes to the choke slam. Rollins flips out of it, super kicks him into Balor, who falls off the apron. More ooh, issues between them two. Uh, Rollins hits Priest, Priest with a pedigree, but Balor breaks things up and comes in. Uh, no, sorry, Dom comes in. Or the, they all come in. Um, Rollins uh, gets hit with a frog splash, but uh, kicks out. Hits Balor with a super kick, tags in Zayn, who hits Balor with a blue thunder bomb. Um, Dom breaks, breaks up the cover, so Owens hits him with a stunner. Priest chucks Owens out of the ring. Zayn gives Balor an exploder into the turnbuckle, but as he sets up for the halluva kick, Ripley grabs his leg and distracts him. Priest hits a huge choke slam on Sami Zayn. Ripley's got the referee distracted during all this. Balor hits the coup de grace. One, two, three. Post match, there's a nice moment of oh, maybe we are on the same same page as Judgment Day. Rule raw. Balor and Priest shake hands after the match. Ripley can't be uh, any more ecstatic. And Corey reminds us that they're coming to the best show. They're coming to NXT, the only show that can actually do an underground show to actually a good standard. They're on NXT tonight, and uh, we'll talk more about that, that a little bit later on. Yeah, they get to be unified for their job here on Tuesday. This was good, but Triple H is getting away with Moida a little bit with these big multi-man Raw main events. The Cody Rhodes one the other week was fantastic. One of my favourite TV matches of the year, and I just didn't think WWE added them, and especially with the way the crowds have been this year. This wasn't quite as hot. The Gentleman's three. Yeah. Like, no, nothing more, nothing wasn't less. wasn't any more dynamic from a narrative point of view. The Judgment Day had ironed out the stuff for the night. And I'd, I'm starting to get a little bit concerned about, like, Owens and Zayn. I think they're, like, they were listing the division earlier on because it exists. But you're not telling stories. And I don't really care about them as champions. They're filling in. 
in these things every week rather than having a story of their own. Fun. And they had a tag team that's just been kicked out of NXT who come up and kick some ass, Aceage. Oh, yeah. Aye, this was a gentleman's three house show adjacent um, in terms of intensity and work rate and all the rest of it. Now, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, the longer you lampoon, isn't this a wacky tag team division? And this is a wacky company where you see things and people just turn up. Like, you can't, you should probably tell a story at the same time as burying the one story that you tell. Mm. It's fine. People still love them. Mm. Well, well, people still love them, but go like this when they're watching them. <laughs> Let us know your thoughts on Raw on Twitter at WhatCulture WWE. Uh, watch they can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflet at Michael Hamflet. Follow Michael Sidgwick at M Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilwell. Follow us all at WhatCulture WWE. Uh, and you can leave us a five star review just like Barney Dufton did on uh, Apple Podcasts, or you can do it on Spotify. Screenshot the five star rating. We need the proof. And then email it to me, adam.wilborn at whatculture.com. Uh, and as I said, myself and the Daddy Boys will be back with a special guest on the NXT preview a little bit later on today. But for now, this has been the Raw Review. My thanks to the Daddy Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 